0: Today we begin a new four-week series called Living 3D. As your pastor, I wanted to spend uh, four Sundays talking about the mission and vision of our church and call us to a renewed focus on the type of people the Lord has called us to be, the practices that we live out as those people, and the postures that we are committed to as we follow Christ. After this series, we'll be moving into the book of Titus, then celebrating Easter. But before we do, I thought it would be wise for us to pause and spend a month in a series that I pray will grow us in, our, uh, in the unity of the mission that we are on and clarity on what the Lord has called us to be and do as His people. Because listen, while much of the focus this year will rightfully be on uh, planting a new work in Minunk alongside other churches praying for the Johnson family, praying for other cross-pointers and other believers in this area, going out on a launch team to serve at that church. While much of the focus will be there, I also pray that we would be reminded that ministry and mission will continue after that church is launched. Continue for generations or until Jesus returns. That ministry and mission will continue to happen out of this location in this region. On the back of your program, we have started... Uh, to print this living 3d image if you uh, don't have a program it's up on the screen but this four week series will take us through this image today we're looking at the mission that we exist to bring glory to god by making disciples of jesus who live 3d together next week we'll be looking at the the first three people and practices starting with where it all begins that as followers of christ we repent and believe the good news then disciples who learn and grow members of a local church who one another. Love, forgive, serve one another. And then the third week, we'll be looking at the final three, the, the, the workers who serve and sacrifice, worshipers who give and live, and the disciple makers who show and tell. And then the fourth week of the series, we'll be looking at the bottom line there, the, the postures is what we're calling them, centered on the gospel, anchored to the word, and dependent on the spirit. Over the years, we've tried to continually clarify in an image form what it looks like to be a growing disciple of Jesus. And how that is tied to our vision of seeing a community of people living, devoted, dedicated, and driven. Some of you may remember a 3D roadmap from many years ago at the middle school. Then a few years ago we, we tweaked that and we went through something new at Discover Crosspoint. And then we're continually trying to clarify what it looks like to be a part of Crosspoint. What it looks like to be a follower of Christ and continually grow in Christ-likeness. As we look at the scriptures, specifically the New Testament, we believe this living 3D image gives us that picture of what a growing disciple of Jesus looks like. If you're a member of Crosspoint, we've rewritten our membership covenant to be around this picture. So why is it important to have such an image or why is it important to have this picture? Why does it matter? Is this just something we're going to talk about for four weeks, and then it's going to go to the back of the closet, back of the website, and we'll never look at it again. No, actually, this is going to be something we've throughout our ministry, membership covenant being an, being an example of that. So why does this matter? Well, one word, unity. Unity around three areas, specifically the first one, unity in our understanding of spiritual growth and becoming more like Jesus. What does it look like to become more like Christ. Well, some would say it's all about repentance. Yes. Others would say it's all about growing in your knowledge of God and reading and studying His Word. Yes. Others would say it's all about prayer, fasting, solitude, spiritual disciplines. Yes. Others would, others would say that you grow in likeness when, when you're a part of community and, 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 and in community with fellow brothers and sisters in the family of God. Yes. Others would say, no, you grow in Christ's likeness when you serve like Jesus. Yes. Others would say that you grow in Christ's likeness when you worship Jesus and you give Him your life, you give of your resources, that he, he is the Lord over all of your life. Yes. Others would say, no, no, spiritual growth is about evangelism and making disciples and sharing your faith. And Yes spiritual growth is lifelong and encompasses all of life it's not a pyramid where one particular practice is elevated at the expense of the other nor is it a silo mentality where growth and likeness is kind of sectioned off over here away from all of the rest of life nor can we look at this image and go boy i love community i love to serve but I don't read my Bible. I don't repent of sin. I can't remember the last time I repented of a sin. I don't show and tell of my faith in Christ. No, to grow in likeness is not like ordering off a menu, asking the waiter to hold that ingredient that you don't prefer. We need to be reminded continually on what the goal of complete growth in Christ looks like. That it's not a checklist to accomplish, but this is a way of life in Christ. Secondly, it's unity in our relationships with one another. We need reminded that what ties us together as God's people is something much deeper than affinity, preferences, backgrounds, social classes, denomination. We see in the book of Acts the Lord is calling Jew and Gentile to be one people, that in Christ we are one. That in Christ we are unified in our postures of of being centered on the Gospel and anchored to the Word and dependent on the Spirit. That as people who have been here for 15 years or those of you who are just kind of starting to engage in life around here or those who will be a part of Crosspoint over the next 15 years, that collectively we are one in Christ and we need to be reminded of what unifies us. It's the Gospel that is unifying us, not background or affinity. And finally, it's unity and mission. And that one specifically is what we'll be be looking at today. Historically in Scripture, what we find is that God's people can be a forgetful people. We see it in the Israelites in the Old Testament. We see it in the disciples in the New Testament. And if we're honest, we see it in ourselves. We can forget the big picture of life when we're trying to deal with daily life. We can get distracted, fix our eyes on lesser things, set our minds on earthly things rather than fixing our eyes on Jesus, setting our minds and hearts on things above. I need reminded. I need reminded. You need reminded. We need reminded of the ultimate mission that we have been commanded and commissioned to. We need focus where we have become distracted. We need clarity where we have gotten confused or sidetracked. So today I want to tackle the question, why does Crosspoint exist? The answer to that is the top line there. We exist to bring glory to God by making disciples of Jesus who live 3D together. We all come from various backgrounds. Some of us began attending church in utero. Others of us didn't darken a church door until later in life. All sorts of various denominations represented here. Some grew up in a very legalistic home. Others of you ran the town when you were 10, had the run of the place. Different economic classes not everyone who calls Cross Point Home grew up in this city or this county. So knowing that, we all come into a local church with this set of preconceived ideas of what the mission of the church should be. A lot of that is shaped by our experiences either as a kid or an adult or what we've witnessed around us. And if we're not really clear on why we exist and the unified mission that we are on, then what happens is disunity and Confusion. Maybe you've seen this elsewhere, but when the church is confused about its mission, it can start to slip into unbiblical missions. Here are four, I'm sure there's others, but here are four, where the organization just kind of gathers socially. They gather for services, meals, events, but the goal is not to really grow as a disciple of Jesus, it's simply to hang out, talk to people, and talk about things that are superficial in nature. Let's, just, let's not talk about faith, life. Let's not talk about how those are intersecting. Let's just talk about superficial things. The church is just a community of people, but no different than some gathering of people in, in a community. Or the organization just does a lot of things. So the organization, the church is busy doing things. The calendar's full. The church building, the lights are on. But no one really knows how these things and events are coming together for a unified purpose. People going in lots of different directions, but ultimately not moving in the same direction. The church is busy, the church is active, but the church doesn't know why. Or the organization that is about preserving the past. I'm not talking about holding fast to the Word of God or Orthodox Christianity. I'm talking about that the local church becomes more like a museum than a mission. It does things because they go, well, we've always done it that way. We've always had that event. We've always, uh, we've always had that. Even the church building itself can, can kind of become like a shrine to the past. The church's goal is simply to preserve and protect the status quo. Or finally, the organization becomes centered on a personality. So the church becomes about a human rather than Jesus. It becomes a cult of personality often around the senior leader. And then when that senior leader leaves or that senior leader fails in some way, the organization crumbles or implodes upon itself because the church has put an imperfect human as its cornerstone. We've probably all seen different variations of those unbiblical missions at times. So we have to get to the answer of why we exist. We have to get that answer right so that we don't slip into those and lead us astray. So where do we go to determine the mission? Well, we're in church, so the answer is what? It's Jesus' Bible prayer, right? This is the answer. We go to Scripture. We have to turn to the Scriptures because that's what we're anchored to and serves as our authority. We have to turn to what Jesus, our Lord and Savior, said. The Word of God has to be the lens in which we see the rest of life and why we exist as a local church otherwise it's like looking through the binoculars the wrong way you look through the wrong way and you're like this this apparatus this thing doesn't work everything is not clear i can't this doesn't help me but when you see it through the right way through the correct lens the everything comes into focus As God's people, we view the local church and all of life through the lens of Scripture. It informs our view, it shapes our view, it gives us focus. It tells us who our God is, who we are. It tells us of God's overarching redemptive plan in history and how we fit into that story. It tells us that we're not at the center of the universe but Jesus is. It keeps us from flipping those binoculars and slipping into some unbiblical mission of the church. At Crosspoint, we exist to bring glory to God by making disciples of Jesus who live 3D together. That's a reflection of the whole of Scripture's teaching. Today we will be in Matthew 28, one account of what is known as the Great Commission. Last year, John was preaching at an event and teaching on that passage, and afterwards, someone came up to him and said, Listen, I've been going to church for decades and that's the first message I've ever heard on the Great Commission or that passage. That is heartbreaking and maddening that someone could be involved in a local church and not be regularly encouraged in the Great Commission. We are called to live not for ourselves, but live for the One who died and rose again for us. Live for the sake of others a sobering reminder that we should not assume that everyone understands the biblical mission of the church some of us could quote Matthew 28 you're like February memory verse Matthew 28 check got it others of you maybe have never heard a message on this praise God that you're here I love it in Matthew 28 Jesus has brought his disciples together for something truly significant this is post-resurrection Jesus and for three plus years these disciples have been following Jesus learning from Him, watching Him, serving alongside Him. And Jesus will soon ascend to heaven. So to say that His words here are are important or carry weight is an understatement. There's a sense of what now among the disciples. You see it again in Acts 1. Okay, we've been following you in the flesh for three plus years. You're ascending to heaven soon. What now? Where do we go? How do we continue what you have begun? And with Jesus' words in Matthew 28, He will bring them to a unified mission. He will take this diverse group of disciples from various backgrounds and bring them to a common mission that they will give their lives to and that we as disciples of Jesus are to give our lives to to this day. Starting in verse 16, the eleven disciples traveled to Galilee to the mountains where Jesus had directed them. When they saw Him, they worshipped Him, but some doubted. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you and remember I am with you always to the end of the age. So we'll look at this mission statement in three different sections. The first one, we exist to bring glory to God. We want our very being to exalt him we want our lives to reflect him when people encounter our ministry we want them to ultimately praise our father in heaven that people would see in us that we're enjoying the lord That we see him as supreme in our life that they see us living out the great commandment to love the lord our god with all our heart soul mind and strength the disciples worshiped jesus when they saw him there was a reverence they had toward the Lord and for various reasons, one being in verse 18, they worshiped him because he had all authority in heaven and on earth. Jesus is almighty God. He is the image of the invisible God, Colossians says. Hebrews 1.3 says that he is, that, that the son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his nature as being, that he is sustaining all things together by his powerful word. Jesus is worthy of worship. He is God. We are His disciples. And we continue in that posture of worship to this day. He's ruling, reigning, one day returning, and until that day, we exist, Crosspoint, to bring Him glory. But don't we already know that? I mean, why explicitly put that in a mission statement? Because we need reminded that our chief aim is not to bring glory to us, but to God. The Westminster Catechism states that the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. As God's people, we exist to make much of, to point to, to reflect, to exalt our God who has saved us, redeemed us, set us free, given us new and abundant life, who is sustaining all things together including our lives, who has sealed us with His Holy Spirit and has promised to us that in this life we will face hardship, and yet that hardship, even death, will not separate us from His love. John Piper said this, that churches are dying today. And we all know churches that are dying, correct? Churches are dying today because they're not doing anything which the world will look at and say, there is evidence that God is real and He is glorious. At Crosspoint, our prayer is that this ministry would give evidence that God is real and He is glorious. Isaiah 6 records a vision that Isaiah had of angels worshiping God. And holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty, the whole earth is full of His what? Glory. When we gather together, we want to bring God glory. Let His nature, His character, be visible to the world around us when we scatter and and go and live our lives the other six days of the week, guess what? We want to make His nature and character visible. So how we live matters. The words we speak, the words we type, the words we read matters. Because we exist to bring glory to God not just from 10 to 11 on a Sunday morning, but as a way of life in private, in public. We exist to bring God glory. But How? And this is what Jesus tells us in Matthew 28 by making disciples of Jesus. Christ with all authority in heaven and on earth the one who we bow our knees to and worship the one who died and rose again for us says this is the mission to give your life to. Every follower of Jesus has been given the responsibility to make disciples. Robert Coleman, who wrote The Master Plan of Evangelism in the 1960s, said this, God's plan for discipleship is not something but someone. You are God's method, he says. Everyone who follows Jesus is to be a disciple maker. Saved people are sent people who speak. Saved people are not a sitting people who remain silent. Jesus makes clear in Matthew 28, acts 1 8 elsewhere throughout scripture that his sovereign and good plan was that each individual believer would be making disciples of those around them this is not just what leaders do this is not just what those uh, who get a w2 from a ministry do this is not just what parents do for their kids this is all of us this is not something later you do in life when you more mature in your faith this is something you do now present day life So today, from this place, children who trust in Jesus will leave sun chasers. Tonight, hype students will leave this gathering, leave this place. Adults who are believers in Christ, we will all scatter to different areas of life as missionaries. Who is in your sphere of influence right now? Neighbors, coworkers, teammates, friends, roommates? People on your floor in college, your kids if you have them, people who you interact with on your daily life, your routines. Listen, Almighty God, holy, holy, holy God, loves them enough. He loves them enough to put you in their life. A person who claims to know that love personally, intimately He loves them enough to put you in their life. And maybe you're like, uh, well, he should love them more and put someone else in their life and not me. No, you are his plan A. You are his plan A. You are in that family, on that team, go to that school, live in that house, care for those kids, go to that place of business by God's divine providence because you are one of his missionaries. Have you ever thought that the reason you have the skill that you have, the degree that got you that job, the fact you landed in the house that you did, that none of that was by accident, the reason you got that scholarship to go to that school, that college, none of it was by accident, that there's a greater purpose occurring, that you have the skill that you have not to, for example, not just to provide income or make the team or or play that instrument and sit in that chair. But you have it so that you'd be placed as a sent disciple of Jesus. When our daughter was approaching her senior year in high school, we asked her if she was going out for the volleyball team. Uh, she, play, she had played the previous five years, was surrounded by really good players, so we were assuming that if, if you're going to go out, honey, you're probably not going to play. You're going to be more in a support role when it comes to matches. That wasn't a knock on her. It wasn't a knock on her coach who we appreciate and love. I'm in coaching. I understand some, some people star, some people support. That's the makeup of a healthy team. We weren't the parents of, my kid needs to play. My kid needs to be the star. Okay? We weren't those parents. We're just asking her the question. You're going you're gonna to go out. And her answer to us was definitive. I'm going out because I need to be Jesus to my teammates. Deal. I'll get the t shirt I won't paint my face. I'll consider it. I'll get really close because I got some Hornet pride in me. Okay. They won state that year, super successful. But one of the sweetest things in the back of our minds as parents was to know that our daughter saw her role in that team as something more than just a support volleyball player, but as a disciple maker, someone who wanted to bring God glory by making disciples of Jesus. In the book of Acts, we see the good news spread rapidly through the lives of Ordinary people. Ordinary people who are compelled by love to live as ambassadors for Christ. People who are empowered by the Spirit to be a testimony. Disciple-making happens through people and life-on-life relationships. We exist to bring glory to God by making disciples of Jesus. And then the last part, who live 3D together. Who is a disciple of Jesus? Well, according to Scripture which is, again, the lens that we look through, it's someone who is devoted to Jesus, dedicated to one another in the faith family, and driven to reach people with the gospel of God's grace. Jesus said, again, in 19 and, uh, verse 19 and 20, "'Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you.'" In there, he gives us three action verbs. Go, baptize, and teach. And they all, behi- all behind them in the Greek is this driving force, the controlling verb of make disciples. So the way we make disciples is through going, baptizing, and teaching. And in those three words, we see the three Ds that we talk about in our vision. Teaching speaks to us being devoted to Jesus. Baptizing speaks to us being dedicated to one another. And going speaks to us being driven to reach people. So first of all, teaching. He says, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. Don't miss the underlying assumption here in the Great Commission. In order to make disciples of Jesus, you have to be a disciple of Jesus. You can't make what you're unwilling to become. You can't lead someone to a place you're unwilling to go. You can't pass on faith in Christ if you don't possess faith in Christ. We bring God glory when we live and grow as a disciple of Jesus. When we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, it exalts our God that He was the one who reconciled and restored us to Him in a relationship by faith alone and by grace alone. Because He's the one who made it possible. It makes much of our God when God's people find our joy and satisfaction, rest, life in Him in him alone, and not in earthly things. Because when you follow and trust in Jesus, he transforms how you view work, money, relationships, marriage, singleness, parenting, entertainment, all of life. This is why Jesus said, teaching them to observe, or your translation may say obey, everything I have commanded you. It's all of life. We've been called to mature in our faith. So this is not this consumer Christianity idea where you can be a Christ follower and not actually have it change your life and transform all these areas of life. The more we allow the truth of Jesus and His Word to shape us, the more we look like Him and the more God will be glorified in us. The greatest way that you can love those closest to you is to mature in likeness yourself. The greatest way that you can prepare for whatever is down the road in your life is to grow in Christlikeness today and tomorrow and the next day. That's the greatest way you can love those people closest to you. That's the greatest way you can be a disciple maker. That's the greatest way that you can prepare for whatever's next is to be this tree that drives its roots down deep in truth so that when storms or suffering come, it survives, but it also thrives. Secondly, he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Baptism is a public profession of faith in Christ. It illustrates our union with Christ. But it also illustrates our union in the faith family that we've been brought in. That we have brothers and sisters around us who have also been adopted, who have experienced new birth in Christ. If you're a follower of Jesus and you haven't been baptized, Listen, there is not a good biblical reason for you not to obey in that. Your faith tradition, being wet on stage, the fear of man, all those things should not hinder you from taking that next step of faith in Christ. We bring glory to God when we make disciples of Jesus who are dedicated to one another and live out the reality that we've been joined to a faith family. An eternal faith family. So, so listen, when we pray together last Sunday, when you are praying over Dave and Christy Dunham, when we grieve with one another, when we celebrate with one another, when we gather in fellowship, when we ask one another about faith and life and not just about superficial things, when we serve, when we spur one another on toward love and good deeds, we're glorifying our Heavenly Father. And then Jesus also says, Go therefore. We bring glory to God when we make disciples of Jesus who are going as a way of life, who realize that life is not about us, but rather we live for the sake of others. We live with others in view because that's what Jesus did. That's why He came. He came not to, not to be served, but to serve. We follow in His missionary footsteps. We don't stop short on this living 3d journey and go well I'm, I'm i'm a follower of jesus i got my church so i'm good no but it comes full circle we live as disciple makers because we want others to hear the good news so they they might be a follower who repents and believes and they might be a disciple who learns and grows and we understand that it's circular in nature so we keep growing as we're doing this we're not checking off but we are growing in our love for the lord love for one another and as disciple makers throughout the rest of our lives and the result of making disciples of jesus who live 3d together is ultimately multiplication others uh, otherwise you and i would have never heard the good news jesus commissions these disciples to go baptizing teach and they do that and generations have been doing that ever since Throughout the church history and the gospel spreads and disciples are made, churches are planted, and then those churches plant other churches and, boy, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? It sounds like the book of Acts. It sounds like what we've been called to do as God's people. And as a result, God gets all the glory. And maybe some of you say, but you don't understand where I'm at. You don't understand the pressures on my life, the things that are before me, how I'm just trying to keep the wheels on the bus. Well, we know a couple of things from this passage. To make disciples of Jesus is not optional for the believer in Christ. The one with all authority in heaven and on earth has commissioned us. He hasn't suggested. He has commanded and commissioned. And we also know from Jesus' words at the end, and remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. He is with us. His power is at work in and through us. So all authority in heaven and on earth, Jesus is powerful. And then on the other end of that great commission, and Jesus is present. It's these two beautiful bookends to the good news. It's good news as we share the good news. As we grow in our understanding of the good news. That He is powerful and He is present. Why does Crosspoint exist? we exist to bring glory to God by making disciples of Jesus who live 3D together. We're going to move into a time of communion, a time for believers in Christ to remember this good news, his body being broken, his blood being poured out for us. To remember the good news and how it has changed us and is changing us as we take the elements as we uh, as you get the elements and just pray Here's my encouragement to you. Who's the missionary? Who's the first name of a missionary that brought the good news to you? You might call him mom, dad. You might call him sister, brother, aunt, uncle. Maybe it had nothing to do with blood family, it had everything to do with someone else. But who is a missionary that brought the gospel to you? Let's grow in gratitude this morning. Uh, The first name of mine, one of mine, is Nathaniel, another one is Heather. They brought the Gospel to me. Had God not loved me enough to put them into my life? I don't know. Praise God that He did. So as we take the elements, make sure you get both top and bottom cups. And we'll take them together as a unified uh, faith family at the end. But consider who are the missionaries that brought the Gospel to you. And thank God for them in this moment. All right, let's take communion. First Peter 2, 9 and 10 says this, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the One who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy mercy to make disciples of Jesus is not adding one more thing in it's weaved throughout all of life Tim Chester said this evangelism is doing normal life with gospel intentionality so some ideas for mission this week the people you interact with on a daily basis how can I pray for you and either pray for them right there or pray for them later but then the key is to follow up how's that going a couple days later, how's that going? The cashier, just the people you interact with. Begin your days with prayer. Lord, you call me to be a disciple maker. I don't know how it's going to go today. I need your help. I need your spirit. We're all going to eat and drink this week. Invite people over or go out with them to share meals, to share coffee if you like that stuff. I don't. Someday I will. Maybe. I won't. Share meals. Gather together with others. Just basic, normal life with gospel intentionality. Meet somebody new before you leave. See you back next Sunday. God bless.